And this is it, the finale of the Locked On Podcast Network 2019 Mock Draft. I am your co-host, Brian Peacock of Locked On 49ers. With me, Matt Williamson, your regular host here on Locked On NFL. And we've had a blast here so far, bringing you the first four days of this mock draft. I think it's a really unique project that we're doing here a mini series special lasting all week. And uh, if you missed some of the first episodes, go back. It was Monday through Friday, but we'll be good to go here until draft day actually happens. So if you're jonesing for the actual draft, this is about as close as you're going to get. How are we doing today, Matt? I am great. And, and this has really been fun. I mean, my thanks to everyone for the idea, David Locke to come up with the idea, all the help from around the Locked On Network. is pretty cool that everyone ganged together and is contributing and you for editing and hosting. I mean, I can't imagine what the editing is like. I'm <laughs> glad it's you. It's not me. And I will say that Monday show was the most downloaded show of my Locked On career. So yes. it's really getting the ball rolling. Go back and listen to all five of these because it's been a blast. Right. And some teams, I think, might be surprised about who is actually on the clock at certain spots here because trades are mm-hmm. allowed. And I know people have been working the phones hot and heavy throughout this thing. We had one big trade on day one. You got to go back and listen to the whole thing if you haven't heard the first four episodes of this mock draft. And a big thanks to you, Matt, for uh, allowing me to come in here and, and co-host here with you on this. And it's awesome to hear that it was uh, some of the, the best shows you've had as far as listenership goes. And it's been a lot of work on my end, but it, totally worth it. So much fun. Yeah, absolutely. And folks, I'm glad to have all you new folks. Next week will be all kinds of draft coverage. And do me a favor, go to iTunes, tell me what you think. So that brings us to the Oakland Raiders. We've got picks 27 through 32 today. The third time we've heard from your boy Q, who's over there in the Raiders war room. First, let's take a look back at what happened here on the first four days of this thing. 26 picks In the books, on yesterday's show, we had the first wide receivers start to run off the board. Hakeem Butler to Baltimore. We had DK Metcalf to Philadelphia. Uh, The run on offensive linemen continues. Dalton Reisner going. And uh, day three was a big day for the offensive linemen. The big men coming off the board. And it's funny because yesterday you mentioned how uh, it was time for some of the smaller guys to start flying off the board. And it was like, you know, big guys, defensive linemen, offensive linemen going on the first three days. And I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah, they're little guys, but man, the wide receivers are still pretty darn big in their own right in Butler and Metcalf. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, there's some king size wideouts. Uh, Noah Fant is the best player left, in my opinion. He's not much different than a king size wideout. Um, a lot of safeties that can do a lot that have good size as well. So they're not little fellows for their position. They're just not 300 pounders. <laughs> uh, that's absolutely right. So we've got the power of the Locked On Podcast Network at our disposal here. Uh, I want to jump to Trevor Sikama and Ben Solak, and they've had so many good opinions and breakdowns and analysis of all the picks here. Let's check in on some storylines going into day five of this mock draft. Trevor and Ben here from the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, getting you guys ready, highlighting some of the storylines for day five, the final day of the Locked On NFL Draft Mock Draft. I'm really excited for this day. There's still so many good players on the board, and it's going to be hard to fit him, fit all of them in just these final picks. Ben, with these teams left on the board, who are you most looking forward to maybe going off the board? Who are you cheering for, I think, maybe pounding the table? Is there a prospect that's still left that you're saying, this guy's got to be a first-rounder? Yeah, I mean, the, the names that I'm most surprised that I haven't seen leave the board yet are Cody Ford, the offensive tackle out of Oklahoma, uh, Byron Murphy, the corner out of Washington, and then uh, 
I would guess Noah Fant, the tight end out of Iowa, even yeah. though he has a tight end, we have a couple teams that could draft one coming up. So I think he'll leave it in round one. But those are the three names that to me are top 20 players who I would expect to have left the board by now. Since they've fallen, teams should be gobbling at their potential. Those are big value selections here in the late 20s. Yeah, still a lot of potential O-line help. As we referenced, I think, on the previous day, this is a deep class. There's still a lot of guys who are left who could all go here. I'm surprised that a guy like Byron Murphy is still on the board. I really am. Because you and I, you were a Pac-12 guy. You watched a lot of Byron Murphy. I kind of was late to the party, got caught up on, on his studies that you had done and, and watched him myself. This is a really good cornerback. And okay, he might not be athletic, enough to be a lockdown franchise man coverage guy all the time, but he's going to help a team a lot, right? Listen, you can't teach ball skills and instincts. Dude's an absolute stud when he can play with his hips and his eyes into the backfield, read, react, overlap zones from cover three. I mean, he'll produce like like a top-tier NFL corner if he's in the right system. So draft him, put him in a cover three, sleep at night for the next 10 years. He's got you covered. Yep, I'm very excited. There's a lot of good prospects who are left. We'll have to see how many go in the first round of this mock draft. Really excited for it. You guys stick around. Okay, we're here. Pick 27, the Oakland Raiders on the clock for the third time in this first round. Your boy Q in the Raiders' war room. All right, here we are. Third time in round one, looking back into the Oakland Raiders draft room, looking into their war room. They're on the clock again. Pick number 27. Lots and lots of good talent has come off the board, but there's still a lot of talent. There's still a lot of speculation, still a lot of thoughts on what the Raiders should do here at number 27. I will say I really like that number 26 overall pick by the Colts. Jonathan Abram with safety from Mississippi State. Really good pick right there. Uh, Lucky for the Raiders that – that safety position has kind of already been addressed through free agency. So don't feel too bad about missing out on Abram, but man, that's a really, really good talent. There's another young man out of Mississippi state that I really, really thought about pulling the trigger on right here. And that is Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons would have been a top five pick if he hadn't tore his ACL. He would have been a top five pick if he hadn't torn his ACL. And so now, if you have the fifth-year option, I can grab him right here, have that fifth-year option. He'll basically redshirt in 2019, and then boom, come back strong in 2020. But I just feel like I need to get a guy that could play right now. And again, if the draft is shaking out a little bit differently, if I had been able to grab Cleveland Farrell at number 24 overall, I think I would have felt more comfortable with going ahead and grabbing him right Simmons right now. Or I would have grabbed Jacobs at number 27 if Philadelphia hadn't gone and got him. But there's a good chance that Philly would have got him. So I would have felt a little bit better, a little bit more confident about getting Simmons right now and addressing that or having him address that defensive side of the ball in 2020 when he's 100% healthy. But I've only addressed defense one time. So I need to get a guy. I need to get a guy that could be really, really dynamic on the defensive side of the ball. And I know edge is something that I really need to address. At some point, I have an eye on a guy that I can address early in the second round a couple guys that I can address a little bit later so right now I think I'm going to give that Paul Gunther defense a little bit more love and I'm going to give that defensive back room a little bit more love and go with Byron Murphy cornerback out of Washington you pair him you bookend him with Garyon Conley and Garyon Conley started to come on really strong in 2018 show why he was that that first round draft pick the number 24 overall by Big Reds just a couple years ago he started to show he's healthy started to show why he's that guy This could really give the Raiders some solid bookend defensive backs. They haven't had some solid defensive back bookends since what? When's the last time they had some real deal, solid defensive backs? Charles Woodson and Eric Allen, probably. Those were the last two that were the real deal. I mean, they had Namdi Asamoah. Namdi was a stud. 
D'Angelo Hall was brought in to be that stud across from him, and it didn't work out, got a cut after eight games. So I think that these two guys could be really, really solid. Murphy is a guy that only has one year of starting experience at Washington, but he had four interceptions in 2018 and 13 pass breakups. So he's a playmaker. He'll come up and shed blocks and, and, and make that tackle. He could play press man coverage. He could play off coverage. He could play in the slot. He's very versatile, something that Paul Gunther is going to be looking for is versatility as far as defensive players go. So I think Byron Murphy, you book in him with Gary on Conley. You can move him around the field a little bit. Got LaMarcus Joyner picked up during free agency. You could kind of float him around the, the field a lot as a, as a nickel. I think your defensive back room got a lot, lot better if you go and get Byron Murphy right now. So that's going to be the call. That's going to be the decision. Uh, there's a couple other guys that I'm looking at, still looking at a tight end, thinking about Noah Fant, thinking how much he can help Derek Carr, but I already gave Derek Carr some love with the number 24 overall pick of Josh Jacobs. So let's go ahead and pull the trigger on this. Byron Murphy, defensive back from Washington, number 27 overall pick for the Oakland Raiders and the Chargers. You're now on the clock. Love this pick for the Raiders. Two potential cornerstone defenders in this draft with Number four overall pick in Devin White and now Byron Murphy. I'm not super high on a first-round running back with that 24th pick in this draft, but still uh, some major talent added to the Raiders roster. And this was your guy, Matt, Byron Murphy. Uh, Might not be the most physically imposing and impressive cornerback in this draft, and I think that's why we saw Greedy Williams as the first corner taken, but how the guy plays, he plays bigger, he plays faster than his uh, than his size and his workouts would lead you to believe. Yeah, and he's a physical player. He is a ball hawk and a big play guy, has a really good feel for the position, real solid player. I've used the term, you know, a double in the first round. I feel like Murphy's that guy. I'm not sure he'll go to tons of Pro Bowls, but I feel very confident that he won't bust. Corner is an absolute need. It's a premium position for the Raiders. They just took Josh Jacobs three picks before this. Um, one note about the Raiders, and it still could happen in the early second round with them, but it, I really like the defensive line. I mentioned this in one of the earlier shows, that, that Simmons, the, the defensive lineman from Michigan State, who's injured, probably going to have to redshirt his rookie year, I would love to see the Raiders take him with one of these late picks just because they can wait around. You know, A, a great team can't wait for a, a guy, first-round pick just to do nothing in his rookie year where the Raiders, they could get a, a top 10, top 5 type of talent with one of these late picks. But I got no qualms with Jacobs and Murphy pretty much back-to-back here for Oakland. That's a great point about Simmons. And if you want to you know, strike on that value and you're in a position where you don't need an immediate hit, and if you're a team like the Raiders who has a bunch of picks, maybe you can mm-hmm. take some chances like that on something that could really pay off in the future with one of those selections. We've got Travis Wingfield. He's our defensive backs expert. He's standing by to give us a little bit more of a breakdown on the player that is Byron Murphy. Thanks, Brian. With the cornerbacks falling in this class and a bevy of picks and a need at the position, Mike Mayock and John Gruden pull the trigger on a trade-up to go up and get the first cornerback off the board. Byron Murphy comes from defensive back U at the University of Washington. He's well coached and shows a penchant for jumping routes and zone coverage with a high football IQ, and he's also sticky in man coverage to boot. He's a technician that can press using that inside hand jam, but also bail out and showcase the long speed to keep up vertically. 
Murphy isn't the most willing tackler. He will whiff in the open field and has been accused of making the dreaded business decision when it comes to taking on backs who bounce the ball outside in his direction. His ball skills, though, are second to none, as evidenced by his six picks in two seasons at Washington. He's not going to blitz the edge or blow plays up in the backfield, but he did add 20 pass breakups to that tremendous ball production at UW. Murphy goes 5'11", 182 pounds, and the Raiders get an instant starter at the back end of the first round. All right, rolling along here, pick 28. Now the Los Angeles Chargers are on the clock, and I'm just now getting to the point where I don't say San Diego Chargers. That's been a rough couple of years for me. <laughs> that That is so hard not to say. Los Angeles Chargers on the clock, and we've got Dave and the crew for the Chargers draft room with the selection. All right, we are on the clock in the 2019 NFL Draft 28th pick overall. And we have seen some players we had high on our draft board get taken earlier than we expected. We saw Dexter Lawrence and Dalton Reisner get selected already. So now we still have to address the biggest names of our team while also getting some value. The best players we have left available on our draft board are Jeffrey Simmons and Jerry Tillery defensive tackles. We have Cody Ford offensive tackle out of Oklahoma. And we also have Nazir Adderley the safety out of Delaware, and none of these players will likely be available in the second round. Well, I think we can go ahead and write off Jeffrey Simmons right now due to the -the off-the-field concerns and his torn ACL. So for me, it's going to come down to Cody Ford, Jerry Tillery, or Nazir Adderley. We have great needs at all of those positions. But for me, I think with Cody Ford, you have to be sure that that is your right tackle of the future and that he can play tackle at the next level to make this pick confidently. I don't know if we're there with him yet. Nazir Adderley, I think, is one of the best safeties in this class and also a position of need, so I think that would be good value. But the one I'm most intrigued by has to be Jerry Tillery. Tillery did have a torn labrum last season and had surgery in early March, will be gone about three to four months, could miss rookie minicamp, amongst other off-season activities, should be there by the start of training camp, but definitely would be behind the curve as far as that goes. Guys, I think that we have to go Tillery with this pick. He's one of the best interior pass rushers in the country. What we have seen from him is outstanding power and length, with a variety of pass rushing moves. He's also very stout against the run and is underrated in that aspect. He would fit in well to play the three technique. Jerry Tillery shows the most upside and has potential to be a dominant interior pass rusher in the league, especially if we were to pair him with Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa. All right, guys, I think that's it. I think we just made our decision. We are going to pick with the 28th overall pick, Jerry Tillery out of Notre Dame, defensive tackle. Jerry Tillery, the selection, defensive tackle out of Notre Dame, a player I really like. It's been hard to sort of place where he might go, but absolutely a first-round talent here for the Los Angeles Chargers to add a little bit of a little bit of juice to their interior because he can get after the quarterback. Yeah, he can, and he's a guy that the pro football focus people adore. They have him as a very high top 10 type of overall player, And I can see why. I mean, he sort of has some Chris Jones to him or maybe a Calais Campbell. Really long, long arms, huge hands, highly disruptive. Tore apart Stanford this year. Um, 
and I look at the Chargers in terms of needs, and I think that you know we talked, we kind of opened the show saying it's going to be kind of a smaller people this area of the draft. I don't think that's true with the Chargers. That I think they could go right tackle. I think they could go guard. Any O line help would be greatly appreciated, especially this stage of Rivers' career. He's been taking a beating. Their protection's been poor for a while. Or a defensive tackle, and you think about Ingram, you think about Bosa, a really disruptive interior presence like Tillery, who could probably start just playing, you know, two thirds of the snaps or you know passing downs, and you know that's a pretty nice situation. All of a sudden, they've got a lot of playmakers on this defense. Derwin James. I mean, there's a lot of guys on this Charger defense. I really like what the Chargers are doing right now in the last couple of years and how they're building this team. And and you really hope, I mean, you just hope that they can do something while Phillip Rivers is still around and still a very good NFL quarterback. And I think they might have one eye on that quarterback position just to try to find someone who can come in and maybe make a smooth transition from Phillip Rivers at some point. But uh, right now, Rivers is the guy and they are building to win now. Yes, and I can't argue with that approach at all. It wouldn't be a terrible idea to use a third-round pick or so on a quarterback or maybe the next time they're on the clock. But they did bring in Tyrod Taylor, too, so that room would get crowded pretty quick. Peter Bukowski, he's been a busy man. We've had a ton of players. That's been really the storyline if you're talking about the entire first round is how many defensive linemen, edge guys, and interior have been flying off the board. So Peter Bukowski, he's the host of Lock on Packers. He's our front seven specialist here, and he's going to be breaking down Jerry Tillery. The funny thing about Jerry Tillery is if you only watched him versus Stanford, he's the number one pick. Seriously, they couldn't block him. The power, the burst, the hand usage, the tenacity, it was on full display. So the question is, why does that ebb and flow? Still, the athleticism, size, hands, and pass rush make him an intriguing player, particularly for the Chargers in their scheme where he can walk right in, play five technique, let him eat up blockers, and then in sub-package, slide him inside and let him rush along the interior, go hunt QBs. If he can add some strength, probably in that 10 pounds range, he would anchor better and shed blocks more effectively. But the flashes of pass rush potential are there to warrant this selection. He's good. Tested as a top 15 percentile athlete makes him even more obvious. He belongs in the first round. And for the Chargers, you put him on a defensive line that already has Joey Bosa, that already has Melvin Ingram, and he doesn't have to carry you. He can give you that pass rush in bursts. That's what he's capable of doing right now. Then he can grow into someone who can be a better play-to-play disruptor. I love this pick for the Chargers. All right, thanks, Peter, for another wonderful breakdown. A busy man there. Uh, You can stand down momentarily, but uh, I got a feeling we're going to need his services at least one more time before this thing (laughs) is over. The AFC West getting things done. A couple of uh, big-time prospects for the Raiders and Chargers, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, the draft dudes, breaking down the action so far here on day five of this mock. All right, Kyle, a few more picks off the board here. The Oakland Raiders go with Byron Murphy, the cornerback from Washington, and the Chargers get things right in the middle of their defense with Jerry Tillery from Notre Dame. I like both of these picks. You you think about the the Raiders and having a big need across from Gary and Conley, and now they've got a nice pair of corners here to to anchor that secondary for a long time to come here. Murphy's a, a guy that can really play the ball well in the air, really excels in zone coverage, and I think this is great value here towards the end of the first round. And then this Chargers pick of Jerry Tillery, you know, we've seen a couple defensive tackles 
uh, leave there this offseason and, and really a big need next to Brandon B. Bain. Jerry Tillery is a guy that gives you a lot of length and physical traits that can, you know, leads to really good run defense. But, you know, his bread and butter is pass rushing where he really made a name for himself in 2018. Yeah, I think Tillery's presence here in the first round was helped by some of the early run on defensive tackles. He is a fringe first round selection, but if the rest of the board's going to drop like this, where, I mean, Dexter Lawrence is going in the top 20, it's going to push and, and, and pull players like Jerry Tillery, who are fringe players, up a little bit higher. Uh, I do like this selection. I think it's an attractive fit for the Chargers and their need to really solidify that defensive line. Uh, you saw that run defense was an Achilles heel for this team in the playoffs as the Patriots just ran the ball right down their throats. We are not nearly done here on day five of this mock draft. Still to come, the Chiefs, Packers, Rams, and Patriots, and some phones are ringing. You're going to want to stay tuned to see how this first round ends. Folks, we are brought to you by Mock Out, and Mock Out is the only app where you can make a mock draft and enter a mock draft contest. If you're going to watch the draft anyways, which obviously you're going to, make a count. Get some skin in the game. With Mock Out, you can make a mock draft pool for you and your friends. Then you can have a rooting interest in every pick. Because when you're in a mock out draft pool, every pick matters, not just your favorite team. The draft is less than a week away, so it can be so much better if you go to mockout.com, get the free app, and own the draft. Folks, that's something you got to do. The Kansas City Chiefs are now on the clock. We've got pick 29 in this Locked On Podcast Network mock draft. Brian Peacock here alongside Matt Williamson. Matt, how are you feeling about the Kansas City Chiefs? They obviously have their young, dynamic quarterback in place. I love what's going on in Kansas City. What direction do you see them going here with pick 29? Yeah, and they'd be great if they could replace at some point in this draft Mitch Morse, a very quality center that they lost. But as all of us know, this draft really has to be dedicated to the defense. And their defense last year was poor but at least it created a lot of big plays. They rushed the passer really well, you know, particularly at home. And they lost those two edge guys. I mean, if they can find any pass rushing help, they should not turn their nose up at it. But they lost some big play guys too. I mean, not that Eric Berry played a ton of snaps, but Nelson. I mean, the defense is totally redone. A new coordinator in town. So I almost feel like this pick has to be best defensive player available. Let's find out in the Kansas City Chiefs war room, Ryan Tracy and Chris Clark of Locked On Chiefs. Have the pick. Okay, folks, we're in the draft room. Everybody get in here. Get in here. We're in the war room. We got to figure this out. We are now on the clock. We have seen the bulk of our first round grades go off the board. Uh, the Chargers just took Tillery out from under us. And so we're now we're down to the two guys that we have left with first round grades come down to one on offense, and one on defense. We have Adderley, uh, the safety. And we have A.J. Brown, the receiver. We got to figure this out. And, and Chris, I know you're working with Coach Reed. Where are you at on uh, Brown? You look at A.J. Brown, and I think he could really make a huge piece on this offense. Uh, we may not have Tyree Kill next year. We're not going to know. Uh, I think we need to go and get this guy. I think he can play outside eventually, but I think he would be a fantastic slot piece in this offense. And he's going to help Patrick win games, win a lot of games this year uh, with yeah, his skill set. I see your point, but we are too strung out on defense. We gave up too much yardage last year. We got to be able to hold our own so we're not in these 50 50 shootout games. We got to have that free safety, and he's one of the top at that position. 
we have to go and get the guy that can fix what we can do. And quite honestly, we spent all that money on Matthew. We got to be able to give him what he needs, a support system behind him so he can be a playmaker. And I get what you're saying about Adderley. He's a fantastic player. I just think that we need to look at this offense. We have one of the top offenses in the NFL next year. If we don't have Tyreek Hill, where are we going to be? Because that is going to be a huge loss, and we need to replace that wide receiver. We need to have a, at least a backup plan for that. Yeah, and that, that's a good point. And, man, I wish I knew where we were going there. With We have to take that. But here's the thing. When we look down, we have to get something done at both these positions. These guys are dead tied on our board. so. What do we have value-wise on the second day? And when I look at it, there's not another free safety that I think we could take. It can just plug him in to play with Matthew. But there's three, four, five guys that I think, as we have them ranked in the second and third rounds, that we can take on day two that can fulfill that role, especially in the slot. So I think at the end of the day, we got to go at early. And like I said, I get what you're saying. I just look at the wide receiver position, and I think A.J. Brown is a step above those other guys and is something that you're not going to be able to just replace easily. That's true, but we're talking about a third receiver versus a starting free safety. So when it comes down to value and who's going to get on the field, who's going to give us meaningful snaps, we got to have that safety at the end of the day. Even though it's a tie, we got to break it with who's more applicable this season. That's going to be Adderley. Let's go put that pick in. With the 29th pick. In the 2019 NFL Draft, the Kansas City Chiefs select Nasir Adderley, Safety, Delaware. It's not often that a player from the University of Delaware goes in the first round of an NFL draft, but Nasir Adderley has really shown some wow ability as a deep safety. He can play that center field role. Uh, can come up against the run. He's a player that's really risen throughout this process, and uh, I love the fit for the Kansas City Chiefs. Matt, do you like this selection? I do. I, I mean, I would have preferred a pass rusher. I mean, it, but we just saw two safeties go off the board, Abram and Gardner-Johnson, in the last, what, seven or eight picks. I would take Adderley over either one, not by leaps and bounds, and you can make a lot of arguments of who is the best safety in this draft. Uh, very versatile guy. They have the honey badger, Tyron Matthew. So I think that there are some similarities there. It just kind of dawned on me that who's going to be the free, who's going to be the strong. I guess it really doesn't matter. I think you'll have a lot of interchangeable pieces. Those guys can guard tight ends. They can guard athletic running backs. Uh, you can blitz them. They can play near the line of scrimmage. They can play off the ball. So it's a nice package there to be able to use those two in tandem. Yeah, and you might run into some really some shootout sort of game scripts yeah. if you're the Chiefs. So having some people who can cover on the back end and try to limit that damage if teams are trying to come back and, and wing it on you like the Kansas City Chiefs now can on the offensive side of the ball. Nasir Adderley is going to be that guy who uh, I, I got to believe maybe Adderley is going to be the center fielder. And you, you have Honey Badger who's had some some injuries and is so dynamic down by the line. I think that's how I would do it. But like you mentioned, you could really do either way with these two players. And uh, I think it's a fantastic fit for the chiefs. And this might be where we start to continue to see a run into the second round. As you mentioned with safeties in this class, there's so many good ones. It's a deep class. Uh, the second round could be all about wide receivers. And I think the safety position, because they're so deep and every team could use them. Yeah, absolutely. And we're also getting to that point where, you know, these are the final four teams, you know, the Chiefs just picked, you know, we have the the final four remaining, their spots at least were, you know, on the clock, good teams. But we're also getting to that point, like where we saw last year, as you often see that those teams that are quarterback needy and, and you know, in this case, Locke and Jones are still available. I like Will Greer as well, that if you're one of those quarterback needy teams that isn't the final four type of team that is rebuilding, 
this is when you start calling to get back into the end of the first round, too, so you can have that quarterback for five years. Travis Wingfield is standing by once again, our defensive backs expert with more information on the player that is Nasir Adderley, who was just selected at 29 by the Kansas City Chiefs. Thanks, Brian. The Chiefs defense was the only thing that held Patrick Mahomes and company out of last year's Super Bowl. And after missing out on Earl Thomas and cutting longtime great Eric Berry, KC has a big need at the safety position. Enter Nasir Adderley. Adderley has the range to cover sideline to sideline as a middle-of-the-field deep safety. His football acumen was regularly on display as he would bait quarterbacks by flipping his hips and quickly driving on a variety of route combinations to funnel takeaways into his direction. He played cornerback early on in his college career, and his man cover skills and ball skills are a testament to his versatility. Adderley is an exceptional athlete with fluid movement skills, change of direction skills, and he's a terrific return man to boot. Adderley goes six feet tall, 205 pounds, and has big-time college production. Even at Delaware, his 10 career picks and 31 pass breakups jump off the page. Peter Bukowski is now on the clock. We've heard from him a number of times. He's been our front seven expert, so he's been a busy man and multiple draft picks in the first round for the Green Bay Packers. And they are now on the clock here with their second selection in the first round, number 30 overall. I love what the Packers are doing. Having these extra picks really helps. They've got sort of a new regime in town in Green Bay, and I think they're doing things a little bit differently. So it's maybe a little bit, you know, they went into free agency harder than they usually have traditionally. Uh, I don't think they have a ton of need needs, so they can really go BPA here. I could see a lot of people picking the Packers as a big bounce back candidate. They don't have a ton of needs. I was a little surprised with their early first round that they didn't add a receiving weapon of sorts for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I think they could use a tight end and a big receiver. Randall Cobb's gone. Not that that really changes, moves the needle for me. But Jimmy Graham is a shell of what he used to be. I really feel like it's Devontae Adams and very little else in terms of receiving weapons for Rodgers. So, you know, that that would make some sense to me too. And I mentioned to start the show, Noah Fant's my favorite player that was available when we began recording today. Uh, if I were the Packers and Noah Fant was sitting there at 30, I would have – I'd be sprinting to the podium. That's actually a really good call. Let's go to Peter Bukowski in the Packers draft room and get the pick at 30. I was in the really advantageous position of picking between two players I really, really liked here, Noah Fant and Nikhil Harry. And each are guys who, if they are who we think they are, or at least who I think they are, They are potential starters and impact players down the line for this offense at positions that don't have obvious players who you can plug in in 2019, 2020, and beyond. The Packers have a tight end who can be your primary pass-catching weapon in Jimmy Graham this season. They have a guy who can be your primary blocking tight end this season, Mercedes Lewis. What they don't have is, by the way, either of those guys under contract in 2020, but they don't have a long-term solution at the position no matter how often Robert Tanyan is working out with George Kittle. He, we, don't, we don't have any indication that he can be a long-term solution at tight end. Noah Fant can be. Now, the blocking has to come along a little bit. I think he gets overshadowed as a blocker because of TJ Hawkinson, because of what he can do as a dominant figure as a blocker. But Fant has the frame. He was willing to block. They just saw, I think, his value 
as a pass catcher elsewhere. For Green Bay to get someone as athletic as Fant at that position, someone who is closer to what Jimmy Graham was in his prime, but actually moves better, that can change the way that this offense looks. This is already, with Matt LaFleur, going to be a team that plays a lot of two tight ends. And they don't have that true number two receiver that you go, that's the guy. Well, Noah Fant can come in, maybe not in 2019, but in 2020, and after a year of development, he gets a little stronger. He works on his technique as a blocker. You get him in there in some of those three tight end packages, with which Matt LaFleur does like to run. We saw those in Philly. We've seen them in KC. In spots, you just, you just have a couple plays designed just for him to get down the field because a tight end who runs like he does, safeties and linebackers just have no chance. And to have that kind of mismatch option with Aaron Rodgers is really just unfair. Then you have an offense with Devontae Adams, with Aaron Jones, with a really solid offensive line, and now you add this mismatch weapon who can create big plays down the middle of the field. Green Bay hasn't really had that since Jermichael Finley in his prime, and that was really only one season before he tore his ACL. Finley was a good player after that, not a great one. Noah Fant has great player potential, so to get him here, I expected him to go late teens, early 20s. To get him at 30, I mean, we're doing backflips in the Locked On Packers war room. And there you go. Your guy, Noah Fant, off the board. Fantastic fit. Another weapon for Aaron Rodgers in that offense. And it gets scary when you start giving Aaron Rodgers these type of weapons. And uh, downfield with that speed, his length as a receiver could really be a matchup nightmare for the new head coach and such a great quarterback. Right. And Fant's really a movable chess piece. They've been looking for this type of tight end ever since Jermichael Finley. Um, I know it's a different regime, but they've had success moving the tight end position around. You bring in an offensive-minded head coach. Rodgers is obviously going to retain a lot of um, influence from how they did things in years past. And, I mean, he's a field stretcher. He, he brings a little bit of toughness despite his you know lack of girth and size. You know, right down the middle of the field with speed, I think they would love to get Fant here. Trevor Sikama and Ben Solak, the hosts of Locked On NFL Draft. Uh, They've been breaking down all of these prospects all year long, both on the podcast and at the Draft Network. What are you guys seeing here in the last few picks as we get close to the end of round one? Trevor and Ben, back with you again from the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. Recap a handful of these picks here on day five of the Locked On NFL Draft mock draft. Oakland Raiders at 27 ended up going Byron Murphy. We talked about him early in the show. He goes pretty early there. Los Angeles Chargers get Jerry Tillery. Kansas City Chiefs getting to Seer Adderley and the Green Bay Packers pick Noah Fant at number 30. Ben, what do you think about the first couple of picks here? Man, Kansas City was probably praying that Murphy made it past Oakland, huh? That would have been so yep. great for them. Yep. I like Adderley. Makes a lot of sense. They do need safety help. Adderley also has corner background and is a good cover man. And so he'll be nice to rotate down into man coverage. He's a plus athlete in that regard. But, oh, man, Murphy would have been great. He makes a lot of sense next to Gary and Conley as well. I really like what the Raiders have there in their young corners. If Conley can stay healthy, obviously Murphy gets to stay on the West Coast. Right. And then Tillery. Home run, Noah Fant immediately steps into Jimmy Graham's role when Graham leaves in 2020. So that's a solid future pick for the uh, Packers as well. I really like the Jerry Tillery pick for the Chargers. I I just recently did a a Chargers seven-round mock draft over at the Draft Network, and I had Tillery in this spot. And the more that I thought about it, the more simulations that I kind of ran, the more that I thought, like, man, I'm not so sure Tillery lasts to 28. But if he does, 
I think he's the home run pick here. Christian Wilkins is not going to be here. And I would still, I would take Jerry Tillery for them over a guy like Dexter Lawrence. So I like that a lot. What do you think about Green Bay now? Because this is their 30th pick, but it's their second one of the first round. They picked Montez Sweat up there at 12. Now get Noah Fant. What do you think about that first round package of Sweat and Fant going to the Green Bay Packers? Can you get more athletic? I mean, really? You really like this, can, we got, actually. We have the best athlete at edge and the best athlete in tight end that I can remember in terms of combine testing, both here on the Packers. Listen, I mean, that's the right way to do it. And Font, you know, like how much of an impact is he going to be in year one as the tight end one slash two splitting time with Jimmy Graham? I'm not sure. But an incredible seam buster. He'll be great with Aaron Rodgers because of his ability to get vertical to work on scramble plays. So it's a really, really snug fit. When I look at the Packers, I think, should I go Hawkinson at 12 if he's there? No, I think Fan at 30 makes a lot more sense in terms of value for the Packers' need. Now, I, I do want to touch on this a little bit because Nasir Adderley is going 29. But actually, Jonathan Abram went 26 to the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, that's kind of crazy to me. Like, I'm picking Adderley over Abram, or or you the other way. Some people really believe in, in the athletic ceiling of Jonathan Abram. Are you one of those guys? Listen, if if football was tech mobile and you were just playing on straight lines, Abram's safety won. <laughs> that the problem is, that ain't, the way, that ain't the way we play in the game. He, just, he, he struggles dropping his hips and turning. He's a tight player, and that's okay. They can be successful, but to me, that's not round one, and it's certainly not holding a candle to Nasir Adderley. All right, we got two picks left, just two picks left in this Locked On Mock Draft. Brian, get us underway. Thanks, Phyllis. Two tight ends in the first round from the same college. That's a rarity, and we've got Andrew Wade. He's the host of Locked On Hawkeyes to have a little bit more insight to Noah Fant. Wow. Green Bay Packer fans are rejoicing everywhere after Iowa tight end Noah Fant just fell to them with the 30th pick in the first round. Throughout the draft process, Packer fans have been wondering if they go tight end with pick number 12 in the first round. They're wondering, do we want TJ Hawkinson or do we want Noah Fant? Well, after Hawkinson fell off the board at number 7 to the Jaguars, Fant was the obvious selection at number 12. However, they decided to wait, and they played the waiting game, and it worked out for them perfectly. In Fant, they get a replacement for Jimmy Graham, but unlike Jimmy Graham, Fant is a very willing blocker who deserves a lot more credit than he typically gets for his blocking abilities. He's got the strength and the size and the want to actually knock people into the ground if he so pleases. It's a matter of technique with him. Under the Green Bay Packers coaching staff, he should be able to work on some of those blocking tendencies that he has typically struggled with in the past. In addition to his blocking skills, though, he adds a 4-5 speed along his 6-5, 250-pound frame, which makes him a matchup nightmare for corners, linebackers, and safeties. Aaron Rodgers has to be jumping for joy right now with the selection of this All-American tight end from Iowa. We will be back in just a moment to finish this thing off. The Rams and Patriots still waiting to select here on the Locked On Podcast Network 2019 NFL Mock Draft. And remember to get this show every day. Subscribe to Locked On NFL on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with their personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On NFL. And you can follow Matt Williamson on Twitter at WilliamsonNFL. And you can find me at Peacock. All right, Matt, we're down to it. The Locked On Podcast Network, the final two selections in the first round here. Super Bowl teams. Yes, the Super Bowl teams. These are the these are the this is what you do. You earn your right to pick last in the first round. And we've got <laughs> a couple of really good teams here. We've got the Rams and the Patriots 
who are going to be picking here to end this thing. And, well, hold on just a second. Maybe we don't have the Rams picking at 31. There is a trade. We have a trade officially that has been announced. And guess who? It is the Green Bay Packers back on the clock again for the third time in this first round. So now the Packers and the Oakland Raiders both selecting three times in this mock draft. Peter Bukowski, the busiest man in this mock draft, back again, standing by with the selection. There's somebody they really loved here. Matt, who who do you think that the Green Bay Packers, they already went Fant, they already went with Montez Sweat on the defensive side of the ball. This is kind of a luxury move for them with all these extra picks. What do you think's going on here? Yeah, a couple thoughts. You know, I I thought you were about to ask me, you know, what do you think the Rams are going to do? And I was going to be like, (laughs) what? Chris Lindstrom's on the, on the, on the, uh, is still available. They really need young guard center help. He would be a good fit. But, you know, they got I, – I, I'm not sure if you announced it, but they only moved back 13 picks here, and they pick up the 114th and 118th pick. So I think that works out well for the Rams, even though Lindstrom would have been a nice choice for them because I know they're a Super Bowl team, but they need a handful of things. You know, I mean, they could use more edge help. Uh, they could use several offensive linemen. So picking up multiple picks I think is a good move for the Rams. And kind of like we just said with the 30th pick, the Packers don't have a lot of needs. So you already added two first rounders. If you trade up again, you know, those later picks aren't as, you know, they're not a lot of spots you need to address. I mentioned it before. I mean, a receiver would make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I also think you could consider O-line help. Lindstrom would be a guy to consider for sure for them. Uh, Marquise Brown, I mean, imagining that kind of speed on this team too uh, mm-hmm. would make some sense as well. A lot of good receivers out there. As you mentioned, the trade value there, the Rams, I think it's a good move for them moving out of the first round, dropping 13 picks. They get the Packers' second-round pick at 44 overall and a pair of fourth-rounders, 114 and 118 for the Packers to move up from 44 to 31 and make this selection. He might have already hinted at who this player is going to be. Peter Bukowski, who's the pick at 31 for the Green Bay Packers? This is a good indication of just how hard it was for me to pick between Noah Fant and Nikhil Harry. And I, the value for me was too great to pass up. And only having to give up the second round pick plus the two-fourths. One of those was in the Haha Clinton Dix trade. So I felt like this was this was just gravy for me. I have Nikhil Harry as the 16th best player in this draft. So at 31 to draft a player that I think can legitimately come in right away and be a number two type player. He needs a little bit of work. He needs some polish as a route runner. Well, Devontae Adams might just be the best route runner in the NFL. The other day, Stephon Gilmore for the Patriots, who was an all-pro last season, said Adams has the best release game in the NFL, and he built himself into that. He turned himself into an elite route runner if he can get with Nikhil Harry, who has the strength to win in jump ball situations and can win after the catch in a lot of the same ways that Devontae Adams did at Fresno State and can polish up that route running. Those agility times were good enough that you say, okay, he can be a good route runner in the NFL and Adams can show him the way. They don't have a great second option on this team. I like Equinemius St. Brown. I like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and I like Geronimo Allison. I love Nikhil Harry, and I think you you bring him in here, he can blossom maybe in year two, year three, as Aaron Rodgers physically, you know, he's going to get up there in age. 
And we've seen the issues that he has staying healthy. That's just the unfortunate reality of the position that Green Bay is in. They need to add top talent now. And so to only give up that second, this is basically like the second round pick. They don't pick again until 75. That's fine because we walk out of the first round with three guys who can come right in and play and impact the game to get that defensive game changer, to get that tight end in the middle of the field, and now to add what feels in some ways like a luxury pick with Nikhil Harry to add a dimension to this offense that it doesn't currently have. That jump ball situation guy, that guy that you can just throw a receiver screen to and he can go make a play after the catch, physical, and I love that he came to Arizona State and immediately produced. He is not polished, but he's young and physically gifted, so give him opportunities early. Let him do the things he's good at right now, and then as he develops, he can become a number two and maybe even a 1B to Devontae Adams in 2020, 2021, when this team figures out the Matt LaFleur offense, and now all of a sudden you've got Aaron Rodgers in sync with these top-tier talents with Noah Fant and Nikhil Harry with Devontae Adams, with Aaron Jones. I mean, it, it gives me the chills to think about what this offense right now would be capable of in this scenario. Nikhil Harry, big-bodied wide receiver out of Arizona State, another one of these just big athletic wide receivers that we're seeing in this draft. It's really a pick your uh, pick your flavor with the wide receiver group and the Green Bay Packers pick Nikhil Harry. It's really interesting, you know, because I was just sitting there thinking, going, well, they just drafted the tight end. Maybe they would want a speedster like Brown. And then I'm sitting there thinking after the pick goes in, I'm like, oh, I like that because really – I know there's a TE next to Fant and a WR next to Harry, but the reality is they aren't much different at all. I mean, Harry does his best work out of the slot, near the near the ball, a contested catch guy. He doesn't create great separation. He's physical, though. He'll block. Um, you can crack him down on edge guys in the run game. He's really good after the catch. There's, you know, he's a, certainly a contortion catch type of guy that can do a lot of stuff. So you can you, you have Fant and Harry out there who you can move all over the formation, often out of the slot, detached, Adams on the outside. That's a lot of weaponry for Rodgers. Travis Wheatfield, our wide receivers expert, giving us the scouting report on Nikhil Harry. Less than a month after an article on Bleacher Report told us how difficult of a time Green Bay's rookie receivers had creating chemistry with Aaron Rodgers, he gets another one. Arizona State's Nikhil Harry is a man amongst boys. He has big, strong hands and will attack the football both on or away from his frame. He's not the purest route runner in and out of breaks, but he is a severe problem for the defense once he gets the ball in his hands. Turn on just about any of Nikhil Harry's game tapes and you're likely to see him catch a screen pass, break a tackle, reverse the field, and make a huge play for his offense as he runs through tackles and accelerates through contact often requiring multiple defenders to get him to the ground. He wins off the line of scrimmage with burst and physicality and is a tremendous deep ball tracker. His effort level, however, has been called into question by some, which could be more than problematic in Green Bay. Harry is six foot three, 216 pounds, with consistent production across three years at Arizona State. He topped 1,000 yards each of the last two years with eight and nine touchdowns, respectively. Let's get the reaction from draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino with these trades in the last few picks here. And things are getting wild in the Locked On Podcast Network 2019 NFL Mock Draft. 
All right, Joe, we got three more picks here. Kansas City Chiefs selecting Nasir Adderley, the safety from Delaware. Green Bay Packers drafting Noah Fant, the tight end from Iowa. And the Packers again selecting Nikhil Harry from Arizona State. Let's talk about this move up from the Green Bay Packers giving up 44, 114, and 118 to jump up 13 spots to the 31st overall pick. Yeah, it gives them a, a big bodied X receiver or something that, um, you know, giving Aaron Rodgers weapons in Matt LaFleur's offense, making sure that you're maximizing everything you have in Aaron Rodgers by giving him talent around him. I can respect that. A really interesting pick here in this trio to me also is Nasir Adderley going to the Chiefs. You know, they signed Tyron Matthew uh, this offseason and now they've added Nasir Adderley. And I think you've got an insane pair of versatile safeties, guys that are interchangeable that can literally both of those guys can fill any role that you're really looking for on the back end. And so I think this gives this defense a lot more scheme multiplicity uh, and maybe not the direction we thought they would go, but you kind of look at how the board fell and, and and it seems like this did make a lot of sense despite them adding Tyron Matthew already this offseason. Yeah, I think the value here is you get some man-to-man skill with Adderley. And those guys, you talked about that interchangeability between those two guys. Offense is not being able to key on alignments and, and understanding based on who's playing to what side of the field, where pressure may be coming or where they're going to rotate the safeties or the, the secondary with the shell. That's valuable because that that the more you can create that chaos and, and make people think after the snap as compared to giving them information before the snap, that's extremely valuable at the pro level. Really like that the Chiefs were able to achieve that. And then the Packers staying true to their entire offseason, which has been aggressive. You know, they're all in on the Aaron Rodgers window. They spent a ton of money, which broke their own mold with Brian Gutenkeis there as the gen- new general manager, drafting Noah Fink, getting Montez Sweat at 12, and then trading up for Nikhil Harry. Really, really exciting offseason. And this is the icing on the cake for the Green Bay Packers. Well, you know, look, I'm not crazy about this trade in terms of what the Rams got. They move back, you know, from 31 to 44, and they basically get two fourth round picks. Come on now. We need to be a little bit more, uh, more, more wanting more. We want more for our trade backs. I'm, I'm surprised. I think we've had a couple of different trade backs throughout the course of this first round where I just am surprised that they didn't get more for those trades. All right, we are back here. Thanks, fellas, for breaking everything down all week long. We have got the final selection of this mock draft. Number 32 overall, the Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots are on the clock. How, how do you like this for the New England Patriots? Could they shock the world? Could they? A lot of people try to talk about the Patriots and how ah, you got to get that quarterback because Tom Brady's going to be done at some point. And they tried that with Garoppolo. That was five years ago. He's long gone now. Uh, might they try that route again? Might they look at someone like Josh Rosen with this pick? Might they try to find one of these quarterbacks that fell like Drew Locke and Daniel Jones to be the heir apparent? I think that would make a lot of sense, especially because they have a wealth of second and third rounders to address other needs. So they could maybe use that luxury item on a quarterback that many projected to have been gone by now, You know, whether that's Locke or Jones or whoever. Personally, I have some questions about both. And I'm not sure either resembles Brady in style of play. Um, I'm sure they would have loved to grab Fant. Uh, They absolutely need to find some answer at tight end. I know they signed Safarian Jenkins, but he's not the answer. I mean, he's a backup as well. Um, It's a little early here for Irv Smith. Is there an edge guy they would like? Is there a wide receiver they would like? I mean, with Fant and Harry just going off the board the last two picks, 
I bet that hurt him a little bit. Well, Matt, as we talk about the New England Patriots and who they might select here at number 32, as it turns out, they will not be selecting at 32 overall. We have yet another trade, the third and final trade in this mock draft. And the Jacksonville Jaguars have made the move. They have jumped up from 38 overall, so early in the second round, moving up here to get that fifth-year option on some player that they really have high on their draft board to move up six selections. The Patriots get 109. That is an early fourth-round pick to move down those six spots. And the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock. Is this a shocker, Matt? Patriot moves are never a shocker, and they subscribe to the theory that Drafting is hard, and even the best of them usually don't hit 50%. So how do you alleviate those issues? You make a lot of picks, and they have a ton of draft picks now. You move down, you add another pick, throw a bunch of stuff at the fans, see what sticks. Um, they also have a habit of taking those third, fourth rounders, trading them for veterans. You know That, that could be a, a Belichick type of move as well. Hungry guys that want to get on a Super Bowl team, play with Brady. Um, I'm not sure who Jacksonville's targeting, though. You know, now that you mentioned that, that is about the most Belichickian move, moving down six <laughs> spots, getting an extra fourth round pick. I mean, that just fits perfectly. So I guess nobody should be shocked about something like this. And they've done this before, in fact. Oh, yeah. It's certainly a type of move they make a lot. And they'll, they'll do it for future picks. That's why they have so many coming up on day two. Do you have one player that's standing out as best overall that Jacksonville might be looking at? Um, they took Hawkinson for those that didn't, you know, don't remember, which I love for them. They could use receiver help. I mean, a guy like Marquise Brown, to me, um, I keep bringing his name up. Uh, they could use right tackle help and O-line help overall. Their safety situation, I know everyone looks at the Jags and says, this is going to be all offense. Yeah, and it probably will be, and for good reason. But their safety situation is a little precarious right now. And I, this would be a shocker, but, you know, when you see teams trade up to 30, 31, 32, it's often for a quarterback. Mm. And I know they just invested in Foles, but what if you threw Drew Locke behind him? You know, I mean, that wouldn't be the worst idea. That's a good situation for setting yourself up now and the future at quarterback. And those two quarterbacks uh, have been getting mocked a lot in the first round, sometimes in the top 10. So let's find out. Zach Goodall and Chris Thornton standing by in the Jaguars war room to make the 32nd and final selection in this Locked On Podcast Network mock draft. We talked to you earlier about our seventh overall pick, Iowa tight end TJ Hawkinson, a real game changer, but we weren't done upgrading the offense with what we believe is to be marquee talent. Therefore, we actually traded back into the first round, gained the possibility of a fifth-year option on any prospect that we chose and all we gave up was our second round pick and our fourth round pick. And keep in mind, we have two third rounders this year. So that gave us a lot of flexibility to do this. In which case we've really, you know, zoned in on one prospect that we really like. He's got a relationship with members of our scouting staff who just so happens to have an actual family relationship with Tom Coughlin. And that is scout Chris Snee. Went to Boston College where this prospect goes. This guy's going to shore up our offensive line for 10 years at right guard. Yes, we just paid AJ Can three years, $15 million, but that can be a high-end depth deal if we believe that this guy's ready to start out the gate. That is right guard Chris Lindstrom. He's played over 50 straight games at Boston College. Really, I don't think he has any weaknesses in his game. He's a guy that I truly think is a plug-and-play guy. We got to catch up with him at the Senior Bowl. Co-GM Chris, what did you see of him out there? 
Yeah, I saw a guy that meshed with his teammates really uh, quickly, which is important uh, when you're going to the NFL because you're going to have to gel with those guys very quickly, especially since you're going to be protecting the new franchise quarterback in Nick Foles. Uh, but I saw a guy that finished his blocks, uh, looked nasty next to right tackle Dalton Reisner, uh, just would be an immediate upgrade on the offensive line, especially at right guard, which some people are thinking might be a bigger hole than right tackle at this point, and I might honestly agree with them. So uh, instant upgrade, you get that fifth-year option, which could help you down the road if uh, you know he is progressing to be one of the top O-line in the NFL because the O-line is getting more and more expensive every year. So having that fifth-year option could give you some cap flexibility down the road, uh, especially you, know, you might have guys that you're going to have to extend by then. Uh, hopefully we sure up all of our guys soon, but uh, I think the fifth year option was kind of a really big key into moving back up to 32. And one thing that we really liked about the signing of Nick Foles that Doug Marone, our head coach, came out and said was that he really values relationships he has with people across the NFL. Same thing with the hiring of John DiFilippo. Gets you a lot of insight on guys that you want to inquire about. And no, there's no one better for us to try and you know meet with prospects other than a dude who played at the same school as a prospect is also the son-in-law of our executive vice president, Tom Coughlin. That's Chris Snee. He's been a great middleman for us throughout the scouting period, going to a lot of the uh, uh, pro days with pretty highly graded offensive linemen. So go on and meeting Chris Lindstrom, a dude who he's honestly mentored as a BC alumni. You know, that's just a foot in the door right there for Lindstrom. We've had our eyes on him for a while. Strictly because of that, obviously just coming in and upgrading our offensive line is the cherry on top. Chris Lindstrom, welcome to Duval. So the Jags went with the offensive lineman. It was Chris Lindstrom out of Boston College. And I know, Matt, you had mentioned him as one of the best overall players available. How do you feel about the pick here at 32 to Jacksonville? Good value here. I like him quite a bit. I mentioned if I was the Rams, that was somebody I would really target. And we could even go back to as early as Houston or Minnesota or one of those or the Chargers at 28. So I think he will be a first-round player, so I got no qualms at all with him going as late as 32. I wish he was a right tackle rather than a guard, to be very honest, and I guess he could do that in a pinch, but that's not exactly maximizing his value. Um, I understand, though. I mean, let's just go get the best lineman we can, but it's kind of a steep price to pay. I mean, you're giving up that, that the 109th pick to make that move for a guard. That's true. And interior offensive line is usually not thought of as that valuable of a player to go up and get. It reminds me of a few years ago, the 49ers moved up to draft Joshua Garnett late in the first round, moving up mm-hmm. from round two. And it was a head scratcher at the time. Um, I like Chris Lindstrom as a prospect a lot more than Joshua Garnett at that time. Uh, let's find out how Ryan Tracy feels about Chris Lindstrom as a prospect. He is our offensive line expert today. After trading into the spot, the Jacksonville Jaguars take Chris Lindstrom, the top guard prospect out of Boston College. A four-year starter at BC, Lindstrom shows the prototypical size as well as the elite athleticism needed along the interior. He actually came in at number three overall in the offensive line class in the athletic matrix from Rogue Analytics, and that shows on film. He's able to play with great leverage in the run game, use his power at the, at the point of attack to great effect. And he's not just a one-trick pony. In the pass game, that anchor is significant, and he is able to set up his blocks, get the depth that he needs, and play with power in the pass set that allows him to be versatile against a varied pass rush, as well as when he's in space. 
out there. He's comfortable in the zone blocking scheme, able to pull and get out on the perimeter as well. And once he's there, he's able to latch on to secondary targets at the second and third levels and execute his assignment to its fullest. Look for Lindstrom to make an instant impact in Jacksonville. Wow, a wild finish to this mock draft. Trevor Sikama and Ben Solak at the Locked On NFL Draft desk. Guys, uh, this finished with the flurry. What are your thoughts here as this thing wraps up? 32 picks up, 32 picks down. Ben, what was the most surprising one uh, for these last couple of days? Yeah, for me, it's, uh, it's Dexter Lawrence at 17. I think when you see a team that already has Dalvin Tomlinson and BJ Hill, I think it's kind of feels like they're set on the interior. Then they go at Rayshon Gary at six, uh, who already is a bit of a inside-outside hybrid. I just don't think there's much of room for a player like, like a Dexter Lawrence, especially when you consider the fact that he's not the strongest pass rush player. And so to me, that one stood out. I, I admire the dedication to the trenches. I just think there's bigger needs on this Giants team, wide receiver, line linebacker, right tackle that they could have addressed at that spot. Yeah, mine's actually the Dolphins going quarterback at 13 and not even because sure, yeah. it's, it's not a fit. It's because like I think the Dolphins don't like any quarterbacks in this class if they're not named Kyler Murray. And so I think this draft and I think draft in reality is going to go a lot different than, than this because I think a really good player is going to end up going at 13 that's not from the quarterback position. So Haskins, I mean, People are talking about him as a polarizing guy. Some teams like him, some teams don't. We're hearing all kinds of Drew Locke buzz, Daniel Jones buzz as of late, which has kind of been crazy. So I'm not so sure that not only does Dwayne Haskins go at 13, but the Dolphins go quarterback at all. Do you think, I think they're kind of tanking for that 2020, right? Sure. I mean, listen, throw the third rounder at Tyree Jackson, see if you hit gold, but there's no reason... There's like, yeah, you go ahead and you draft yourself a rookie first rounder. Well, then if you're not successful and you're in another position to draft a rookie next year and it's probably going to be a much better class, are you going to pull the Cardinals and go back to back first round rookie QBs? Because, man, like that, that, that doesn't necessarily work out too well in the locker room. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think that ideally Miami's trading back. They're recouping capital. They're not really going for the win in 2019 just yet. Yeah, I'm with you there. So regardless, though, this was a ton of fun, a lot of really great picks and some great analysis from everybody on the team. Brian and Matt, take us home. All right, thanks, gentlemen, for all the analysis all week long here. It's been a blast. Uh, Matt, I love it. The the trades coming down, really finishing this thing off strong. So much fun and a whirlwind at the end. Trying to prepare for the Rams and the Patriots, we had the Packers and Jaguars jumping in, making uh, multiple selections in the first round. Uh, I love it. I had a lot of fun, man. Yeah, this was a, absolutely a blast, and my, my wheels are turning like, okay, what are they going to do at the top of round two? You know, like, <laughs> I, I love how the, how the NFL did, does this. I mean, back when I was a kid, they didn't have the first round on the first day. Everyone retires, you know, goes back to their compounds, sees how things went, and I'm sitting here thinking, boy, if I'm one of those teams at the top of round two, a team like Arizona or, you know, or, you know, or one of these teams that doesn't need a quarterback, I would think the phones will be ringing two one, two two, two three to get one of these quarterbacks is still available. Absolutely. And this part of the draft is something that I love because late first round, early second round, a lot of teams have, and you could vouch for this, a lot of teams usually have around twenty players that they like as first round players and have first round grades. Uh, but every board there's thirty two different boards. So you can imagine how much some of those draft boards would differ there when it comes to first and second round type players. So you see a team like the Jaguars, who obviously had Chris Lindstrom as a first-round talent. To see him start to drop, they want to go up there and get one of the last first-round grades on their draft boards. And then on the other side of things, there might still be teams out there that 
that view some of these players as first round prospects, even though we're well into the second round. And maybe if you're the Patriots or the Rams, it was the opposite where all of the guys you had first round grades on were gone. So dropping down is a no brainer. Yeah, that's well said. I mean, teams do not have 32 first round grades on team on players any year. Some years it might only be 10, might be 12. Um, maybe as many as 20, as you mentioned, that might even be a little high. So when you get to 18, 19, 20, the gap isn't as big from 20 to 50 as some might imagine, you know? So if, if, if trading back makes a lot of sense, and especially in this particular draft, I think that second tier, you know, 20 to 50, maybe 20 even to 60 or 70 is bigger and a little nicer than usual. Well, what do you say, Matt? Let's get it going. Let's do round two. I'm in. (laughs) Oh, man, this has been a lot of fun. We don't have time to get into the second round of this mock draft, unfortunately, but it's been an awesome week. I've had a great time. Real quick before we go here, Matt, if you were the Arizona Cardinals, you have the first pick in the second round and a blank roster. Who's that best player available here? The player that surprised you that you thought, hey, this is a first rounder all day and he's still on the board. I keep going back to Simmons. I know that there's extenuating circumstances with him, but I think he is a superstar And especially if I'm at one of those teams early in the round where I'm not a contender, I want to get that guy in my building and, you know, rehab him along and then unleash him on the world a year from now. Thank you so much, Matt, for letting me come by and be a guest host here with you on this Locked On Podcast Network 2019 NFL mock draft. So much fun. Such a unique project, I think. For those of you uh, who listened and followed along all week long, I thank you so much. Matt, it's been a pleasure working with you. Absolutely. This was a blast. Again, leave me some feedback, folks. We'll get back to normal pro- you know, nor- normal, you know, podcasting next week. We'll get some of the same guests on, on Locked On NFL. And this was a really, really fun week, kind of a historic week for the whole network. Absolutely. Vaulting to the top of the iTunes charts this week. I loved seeing all of the hosts and all the analysts in the network getting involved, doing such a great job. So a big shout out to all of them and to David Locke, who was the brainchild of this whole thing. Let's do it again next year. Uh, Yeah, let's do it again next year. This was a blast. Maybe we'll do some other event between now and next draft where we get everybody together. I'm calling it seven round mock draft in 2020. All right, signing off for Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock. Thanks for listening, and remember, you can subscribe to this show and all of the programs on the Locked On Podcast Network on the new Himalaya Podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you're in your car, tell your smart device to play Podcast Locked on NFL.